America. Thank you so much, and welcome back to the Sarah Carter Show, a podcast where, yes, I am just like all of you. I uh, wake up and have crazy hair and have a daughter that finally can go to summer camp. Yay! I hear clapping and singing. Although she's going to summer camp with a mask, and apparently they made her watch a video, well, they did, um, of... Uh, kids being six feet apart and playing outside, but at least, at least she gets to go out for the first time in a long time with other kids, um, and it's going to be great. I know it, I know it, I know it, and as soon as I'm done and I'm wrapping up here, I have to go pick her up, and it's going to be, I'm going to hear all kinds of amazing stories. I'm I'm just thinking positive, all right, America? I'm thinking positive. But I want to jump right into everything uh, that's happened over the past week. It's incredible. Really, over the past four days, I mean, story after story, uh, breaking stories. I want to start off at the top with this horrific story coming out of New Jersey. Um, The killing of a judge's 20-year-old son and her husband is in critical condition right now at the hospital. Uh, This is Judge Esther Salas. She is in New Jersey. It was at her Brunswick home. A man dressed in a Federal Express uniform drives up to her home to deliver a package, knocks on the door, and then shoots her son and her husband as they answer the door. This is just crazy. Guess what? Judge Salas has been involved in a number of huge, huge court cases. One Jeffrey Epstein and Deutsche Bank. That's what she's involved in now. Other two cases, um, Real Housewives, the couple from Real Housewives, and some other very interesting cases, gang-related cases in New Jersey. So there's a lot of suspects, right? But can you imagine? The FBI is investigating this now. The latest is, is that they found the suspect, and apparently he killed himself. And according to some reports, and now this can change by the time you hear this, right? This can change. But according to some reports, it's somebody that knew the judge in 2015, uh, an attorney that worked with the judge in 2015 or was involved in a case that was before the judge. Uh, I got to tell you, this is beyond bizarre, beyond bizarre. And, you know, if we're not already living in just strange times, that certainly is strange. I mean, considering Everything that happened to Jeffrey Epstein, his uh, apparent suicide or alleged suicide, as I like to say, because it's just too many coincidences to believe that he jumped off the second bunk. That's just my opinion, right? I'm just talking like any normal person would talk when you hear about this, especially when people like Prince Andrew of England are implicated, uh, the Clintons, and so on and so forth and so on and so forth, and everybody with money that was connected to Jeffrey Epstein and his island, uh, this Lolita Island, and the number of underage girls and probably boys that were exposed to these horrific monsters there. So, uh, you know, these are people with a lot of power and people that certainly do not want to be prosecuted or caught. Uh, And hopefully Ghislaine Maxwell, who is now, right, being held in custody, will not have an apparent suicide. Let's just keep our fingers crossed on that. That she will be guarded by the FBI uh, and police to the fullest extent. Um, I would invite her to hide out in my basement. I want to find out who these guys are. Um, and I want them prosecuted as well. I don't want people to get away with 
uh, what the horrific atrocities that I believe happened to these young uh, women, not only the ones that have spoken up, but imagine all of the children that don't have a voice, all of the men and women uh, that now, you know, when they were children um, and even maybe even currently children who have been harmed by these horrible, horrible people. Uh, let's move on to the next story because I have, I mean, like I said, it's been a lot of breaking news and uh, we're going to, we're going to be talking to somebody who's a great friend, somebody who um, I think is remarkable law enforcement official from Guatemala. He was the head of intelligence in Guatemala, became a very good friend of mine. I have traveled to Guatemala numerous times, also with uh, writer Jenny Tear, who uh, works with me at sarahcarter.com. So don't forget, go to sarahcarter.com and you will get the latest stories there. Um, all of these breaking stories that I'm talking about, you can get right there at the website. So Mario Duarte will be on the show with us. Um, an incredible man. I have been with him many times on the ground, actively in areas that uh, just incredible areas inside Guatemala, um, where the drug cartels have run operations. Uh, I've worked with him on a number of stories, especially the migrant issue, um, illegal migrants coming from Honduras, uh, Guatemala, as well as Mexico to the United States, what this means to both of our countries. Um, he will be here to talk about his latest column that he did for Newsmax. It's incredible. It's called social media, national security threat to social Reengineering weapon. You have got to hear what he has to say about this. It's going to blow your mind. And um, I'm also going to be talking to him about all of these new reports about uh, Mexican military or persons dressed as Mexican military working with Jalisco Nuevo Generación Cartel. That is Jalisco's new generation cartel. It is run by a cartel leader by uh, the name, the moniker El Menche, and that means the ghost. Uh, he is probably one of the most prolific drug cartel leaders now at the present time. And he makes El Chapo Guzman look like a wimp right now. Well, Chapo is a wimp and he's actually in jail and he, uh, you know, he deserves to be there. He's a murderer and he's a coward. But so is El Menche, who runs around with this crazy moniker ghost uh, name and uh, but runs a an enormous organization uh, with weapons like you can't imagine because, of course, they have billions and billions of dollars in drugs, in drug money, and uh, they are able to purchase things like semi-submersible submarines. Uh, they're able to connect with people in Africa, uh, move their product all the way to Europe through Africa, as well as the United States by targeting transit routes into our country. So this is some of the stuff I'm going to be talking to Mario about. And by the way, folks, these transit routes aren't just for moving nar uh, narcotics and contraband into the country, but they move people and weapons just as easily. It is this dangerous. I've been talking about this since I started working on these stories way back when, when I was at the Daily Bulletin in Southern California and I was exposing what was happening along the border. And I think I was the very, actually I was the very first reporter to report on numbers. And this was like in 2003, 2002, where I exposed the fact that the Mexican soldiers were actually assisting the Mexican drug cartels move narcotics into the United States. I actually uh, broke a story. It was documented by the United States government. It was leaked to me. 
um, by the, the Council on National Drug Policy, how many times they had actually monitored and witnessed Mexican military officials moving narcotics into the United States. That was over 200 times back then that they had monitored and uh, noted that. And I'm telling you right now, don't believe half of what you're hearing coming out of Mexico. Because in Mexico, they're not going to tell you the truth. A lot of their military personnel that work along the U.S.-Mexico border have been compromised by the drug cartels. Another quick story that I'm going to get to just briefly, um, and then I'll get back to this later on in the podcast, is the enormous amount of documentation now that has exposed what happened during the Russia hoax. The FBI, the DOJ under Obama, the Obama administration basically targeted President Trump's campaign. We know this. Michael Flynn and others surrounding the president. And now we know for a fact, based on all of the evidence that has been obtained by uh, Michael Flynn's uh, attorney, Sidney Powell, and this is Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, three-star general patriot of this country, as well as the information that has been obtained by U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Jensen in his review of Michael Flynn's case, and the information that has been obtained by U.S. Attorney John Durham, who was appointed by Attorney General William Barr to investigate this mess. And now we see over and over again, oh, and not let me not leave out, let me not leave out Judicial Watch, because Judicial Watch uncovered all of these explosive FBI emails, um, and the one this week actually talks about a White House confidential informant. Think about this. The FBI, agents Peter Strzok, attorney Lisa Page, general counsel James Baker, former deputy director Andrew McCabe, director James Comey, all of them were spying on members of the Trump campaign. And then we find out here, go to sarahcarter.com, that there was an email that directly talked about a White House confidential informant, somebody that they were collecting information on after Trump went into the White House. So somebody that they placed there. This needs to be investigated and people need to be indicted. They need to be indicted. We can't allow this to go on. Our nation is based on a set of laws, rule of laws in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights. And you don't just weaponize the system against a political opponent. What are we, a banana republic? We can't be. We can't lose our country. I, I'm going to be going to Mario in a few minutes, but I want to tell you all, you know, I watched the movie Patriot the other night, and, you know, and then I read all these stories about, you know, the beginning of our nation and the revolution and the reason why we're here and the reason why we exist and the reason why we're the greatest nation on earth. You know, the people might not have been perfect, and we know in history that they weren't. We know that slavery was wrong. It was an atrocity, and it was wrong. But the words that founded this country, the principles that make us great, those basic principles that set everyone free and eventually gave rights for women to vote and eventually set, ended slavery and pushed for civil rights and the advocacy for civil rights in this country and women's rights and children's rights and everyone's rights were based on those founding principles. So if you get a chance, I mean, just look back, read about it, watch a movie about it, realize how great this nation is. It is not as bad as the left tries to make it out to be. It is not bad at all. 
This is a great country. We should be proud of it. We should be proud of our history, and we should be proud of who we have become, and we shouldn't change who we are. So now, without any further delay, I have my great friend, Mario Duarte, who is president of Latin American for Sonoran Policy Group right now, and he uh, was the former Secretary of Intelligence for Guatemala, and that is how we met years ago. Uh, we spent a lot of time together on the ground in Guatemala, as well as here in the United States. Thank you so much, Mario, for being a part of the show. It's a pleasure, sir. Well, I, I got to tell you, your column in Newsmax is absolutely fantastic, and it's just uh, a revelation after revelation. I got to tell you, if you guys haven't read this, you have to. It's on Newsmax. It's called Social Media, National Security Threat to Social Reengineering Weapon. And we'll also have a link uh, to Mario's column from our website at sarahacarter.com. Mario, before I get into your column, I want to talk to you a little bit about what's happening, because I think it, it goes right along with it, what's happening in China. And what we're seeing right now in China, uh, and particularly you and I have a lot of experience here because when I was visiting Guatemala, one of the things I noticed and talked to you about, this was when you were head of intelligence, was the fact that I saw so many Chinese, Chinese citizens working in Guatemala, uh, purchasing space and buildings, um, working in technology fields, as well as natural resources. Can you talk a little bit about what China is doing in Central America? Absolutely, Sarah. So first off, uh, we all know that uh, China um, PRC has initiated, well, not recently, but for a while now, all these different operations all over the world to actually increase their footprint all over the, the, the globe, right? right? And obviously Latin America, the Western Hemisphere is no exception. Uh, for several years now, China has been trying to, uh, to come into Latin America. Unfortunately, they, um, they utilize uh, the vulnerabilities of our political systems, specifically the corruption in, in a lot of uh, Latin American countries. And what they do is that they pay their way into by passing money under the table to different politicians to get meetings, high-level meetings with uh, sitting presidents uh, and sitting ministers and sitting uh, uh, Congress people. Uh, the thing here is that they also offer so many different things that other allies, unfortunately, I'm going to mention in this case, the United States and others have forgotten about these Latin American countries, right? So when there is no investment from other countries, China comes in, offers these deals to, to the Latin American countries, obviously loaded with a lot of corruption and what happens later on is exactly what happened for instance in Djibouti where they got this uh, this port and when the when the government wasn't able to pay uh, to pay uh, the Chinese they took over the port and well, that's that, what has happened in different countries as well. Go I ahead. think I think you bring up such an important point, Mario, because what Americans don't understand a lot of times is how this will affect us in the future, right? And the national security implications of China expanding in both South America and Central America in the Western Hemisphere. We have already seen China and Russian influence, and of course in Cuba, we see what's happened in Venezuela, but what are the national security implications for us? This is something that people don't think about, not only just in technology, but in accessing and be able to access uh, both our transit routes into the United States and build up a, maybe a more of a leftist regime or communist regime in this region of the world. Well, think about it. Basically, what China would end up building is sort of a blockade of uh, 
to the United States, right? They, they would uh, block influence and entry of the United States towards Latin America because that's what they do. They take a hold of a place and they start doing all the things, you know, from the geopolitical perspective, strategic perspective, then you get into energy, then you get into all these different things. And what you have then is an isolated country, the United States in this case, with no influence, with no friends, with no allies in their backyard, basically. And I'm not, and I don't, and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a disrespectful way towards Latin America. It's, it's, it's a simple fact, right? That we have all these countries we're connected in one single big chunk of land. And when you lose influence towards the South, toward your neighbors, you're sitting alone. You, you, you basically, you lose a lot of your initial influence that also helps you protect your Southern border. And this is something we saw together, right, Sarah? Right, when, we, we when you were here, we would, we would see all these people flowing through, Mex through Guatemala, then through Mexico, and then coming to the Southern border. We saw all what happened there at the Southern border that drove President Trump to declare a national emergency in the Southern border. So think about it. Once China takes a, a, a good grab of, of Latin America, you will see that tenfolded because you will see what happens, for instance, in, in, in Costa Rica. Once they signed this, uh, this treaty with China, there was supposed to be a vis-a-vis -vis exchange of goods and you know they were both going to benefit from it, but exactly the contrary occurred. China flooded the, the, the Costa Rican market with their products. They didn't export anything towards China. And what it caused was the, all the manufacturing in Costa Rica to which, collapse. Which is, which so is what we saw here in the United States too. I mean, when you look at what happened with COVID-19, or I call it the Wuhan virus, right? And yep. when, with the United States, all of a sudden we were realizing, oh, wait a minute. Most of our antibiotics are, you know, the penicillin, um, our uh, painkillers, a lot of our PPE equipment, which is our personal protective equipment, was being manufactured in China. And by the way, now we discover that it's being that it's being actually made by Uyghurs who are enslaved by the Chinese Communist Party. So what we're really facing here is a national security threat. And you're saying this national security threat is not just U.S. manufacturing in China, but actually China going into our allied neighbors' homes, cutting deals with people like we've seen in Costa Rica, Guatemala, other places throughout South America, and potentially building that kind of blockade there to kind of surround oh. the United States and keep the, US, the United States at bay and more control over the U.S. economy as well as U.S. national security. You know, the way I see it is, is, is a multi-pronged attack towards the United States. China is not only trying to get, a, like I said, trying to, to grow their influence in Latin America. They have controlled a lot of, of the manufacturing for the United States for a while now. They hold the production of all these strategic products that we use in the United States. But then you have also what they are doing geopolitically. They look at what they did in Hong Kong. Now they are threatening one of our best allies, Taiwan. They are threatening them, you know, doing all these show of forces towards them. And I think that's something we have to pay attention to. Taiwan is a, is a good partner, not only to the United States, but to a lot of countries in Latin America. They have helped us in, immensely right now with the, with the Wuhan virus uh, pandemic. You know, they have flooded our, our, our countries with all these assistance, good assistance, non-conditioned, just by being a good friend, a good ally. And one of the reasons why China PRC attacks Taiwan so directly when it comes to their relationships with different countries and in Latin America. But now, besides that, now you have also to consider what we were talking about, 
the social media aspect, the technology aspect. Look at what we, I think we talked about this a while back, mm-hmm. the, the, five, the 5G uh, systems for intercommunications. It's crazy. Things. The 5G system, now we see Great Britain right. is going to say no to the 5G, but talk about the 5G uh, aspect and how and how you have dealt with it, but both in uh, Central America and, and with your allies here in the United States. Unfortunately, most countries in, in Latin America have not dealt with it. In, in mm-hmm. fact, they have actually moved towards, towards Huawei uh, technology because they are the cheapest ones. And they are the manufacturers of all this technology that is needed for cell phones, for cell phone, cell phone towers, for mm-hmm. server farms, for, for, for cell phone systems. So they have flooded the Latin American uh, uh, market when it comes to, to, to technology and systems, right? Right. So what's going to happen? What's going to, what's the US and the other ally nations, for instance, the UK and Europe, what, what are they going to do about that? You have to remember something, for instance, Guatemala, we sit on top of this fiber optic cable that feeds all of the internet towards towards the Gulf in the United States. So your communications in the United States might be secure because they don't have the systems, but once they transit into Latin America, that's it. They come into into Huawei systems and, and they they're exposed. The right? So everything exactly. that goes through those cable wires, all of your communications, think about this out there, folks. Everything you say, you do, your emails, Every bit of technical communication that transfers over and ends up in these systems overseas is accessible. The lie is, is that it's secure here. This was what Brandon Carr said. And I I hope you all remember this, this interview I had with him when he discussed what was happening in Montana and how the Chinese built those towers in Montana because they wanted to bring in their 5G system here. And they're sitting there. They're sitting there. And that's right around our nuclear facilities up there. We have nuclear weapons up there. Why do you think the Chinese were building these towers? Huh? That's pretty scary stuff. Mario, I, I mean, when I think about what happened in Guatemala and I think about what we've seen and, and done together, but when I think about what I'm not seeing, right, what the Chinese mm-hmm. could be doing, that's actually really frightening to me. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, we try to maintain our allies really close, you know, I and mean, there is this saying, you know, keep your enemies close and your friends, clo- your friends close and your enemies closer. In this case, we don't want our enemies that close. Right. <laughs> so but that's why that's why we have actually, you know, we, we really maintain our relationship with Taiwan. I would say that's one of our strongest allies besides the United States and Israel, obviously. Uh, and, and we trust them. They have helped us a lot. And, and, and that's one thing, you know, uh, I think as a, as a community, uh, that look for f- that, that we're striving and fighting for freedom, for liberty all over the world. The United States needs to look at all these different countries and help specific strategic allies to increase their influence in other regions, right? And, and I'm talking specifically again about Taiwan when it comes to pushing back on China. Uh, they could help so much when it, when it comes to, you know, finding ways to help all these countries here in, in Latin America. Think about it. I've post the Wuhan virus uh, crisis you know what's going to happen with all these countries here in Latin America uh, you know that have all their their economies you know just brought down you know severely you're going to have all these people without a job exactly what are they going to do they're going to look for the American dream 
Right. And, to and can they be pushed towards the American dream? Because one of the things I know you can't talk about everything that was there are so many issues that uh, you can't discuss because of their classification and because it's highly classified. But there's some things that you and I have talked about before that are somewhat open sourced, but people really don't understand that the mm -hmm. system itself in Central America if it's manipulated, if there's a chokehold on the people in Central America, if poverty increases, that's what happens. People look for a better way of life. They don't want to stay there with their families. The most important thing is to rebuild and build those nations inside Central America, especially in Honduras and Guatemala and even Mexico. I mean, you're looking at flood of people like we've seen before, Mario. If this doesn't get fixed, wouldn't that be perfect for China? I mean, wouldn't China Absolutely. like to see this happen? Absolutely, because what is it that they do, right? They What they do is they utilizing corruption or abusing corruption. What they do is they pass on money so they the doors are wide open for them. And then they just flow the, the, the countries with cash, uh, cash that at the end is not used properly. It's just, you know, either stolen or misused for just, you know, you know ponytail, you know, Pony and shows stuff like that, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and there is no real benefit to the countries. You don't actually produce jobs. Now, that's where there is a big advantage post COVID, right? Right. We know for a fact that President Trump is pushing for all these U.S. companies to pull out of China. Where can they go? There are good markets in in in, in Latin America. You know, Salvador, for instance, they have very good a very good strategic, you know, uh, plan to actually start growing. Uh, these specific areas where they can bring in U.S. companies. Guatemala is, is, is trying to do the same. Honduras as well. All these other different countries that actually can do something not only to help the United States pull out of China, but also benefit themselves. And then what you do is, as, a, as an RNCLE result, what you will have is no people, you know, immigrating to the United States, but actually countries becoming stronger allies to the United States. Right. And this is so important for every one of you out there to understand that the governments there, especially in Guatemala, if you think about it, Mario, you brought it up a number of times. The people that we've interviewed have said it over and over again, especially those that are allied to the United States. They want to see their nations flourish. They want to see their nations grow so that people don't flee looking for a better life. Don't leave those countries, but build those countries up so that they're prosperous and that there's poverty is reduced and that people are free. That is the most important thing. I think one of the questions I want to ask you, Mario, before, before we have to go is what is the best advice that you could give to the Trump administration right now? What can they do to ensure to ensure that China is kept at bay, especially in Central America, and that the United States is protected against what I believe is a national security threat. It's a very complicated or the, the answer is not, it's not a simple one, but definitely I think that uh, the Trump administration or any US administration for that matter, needs to pay attention more to specific strategic allies and what they can do to keep other countries close to them. I'm talking about, again, Central America, Latin America, and then the countries that are willing and able to help us actually develop our own cap capabilities where the U.S. cannot or for some, for, for some reason is, is not allowed to. For instance, China, again, Taiwan, Israel, these countries, we have become allies, good allies of them. Uh, the United States can also help us in actually getting them to invest more in our countries 
get our systems, our economy, our economies growing, get more jobs internally, internally, you know, developed, and and getting people to work here so we don't bleak talent. That's another thing, you know. Right. And at the end, obviously, we there is a there is a big need to increase the direct actions against the cartels. I don't know if you saw that. That's what I was just going to ask you. I was thinking I have one more question. I know I'm going to keep you on a little bit longer, but the biggest, the biggest question is um, what's happening with the drug cartels, Jalisco Nuevo Generacion, which is Mm -hmm. run by El Menche, you know, is one of the biggest, I think, cartels right now in the region. Uh, We haven't seen the end of Sinaloa. We still know that uh, Los Zetas and other cartels are operating in the area, especially Colombian uh, narcotics. Uh, what's going on with that? And how big of a threat is this? Uh, it's a huge threat at the end, Sarah. Uh, think about it this way. Uh, from having guerrilla tactic capabilities, the cartels, now they are in a new different order of capacities, right? Now they can do war. Just look at that video. They have, you know, uh, armored vehicles, big vehicles, uh, military-grade weapons, um, explosives, uh, you know, uniforms, uh, armored uniforms, cavalrys, everything. Uh, these these groups are now capable of doing war against anybody. And that's so really frightening. What they can do here in the United States. And do you believe anywhere, ba- anywhere? Well, based on the intelligence and your work in intelligence, Mario, is there concern that some of these drug cartels, as I've reported in the past many years ago? that there could be a nexus between some of these cartels and terrorist organizations operating overseas? There is definitely a, a link. And now let me bring something to worry more about. Imagine the, this unholy alliance of cartels, terrorists, and then um, actors, or I'm talking about countries like China, Russia, Iran, working together to attack the United States, to affect the interests of the United States, to, you know, to threaten their national security. That's something that is about to happen if it's not happening already. They just haven't had the chance or the, at the end, the opportunity to do something because of all this COVID situation right now. But definitely there is a, there is a chance for that to happen. And now, now we know it's obvious now that the cartels in Mexico have real war capabilities. With that type of, I'll tell you as simple as this, with that type of, of, of weapons and, and vehicles and everything, they could take over almost any over any Mexican state, almost over any Central American country, unfortunately, with that type of, of, of capabilities, you know, you know I, who's going to take it away from them? I, I'm sorry to say this, and I'm not mocking any pressing or anything like that, but honestly, these guys with hugs, you're not going to get them to, to, to drop their weapons. You really have to go against them directly. Right. That means you really have to fight them. You're not going to just be able to do this through niceties or uh, sitting at a, a conference table, getting them to I've put said, their weapons I've, down. I've, you know, uh, it, I, I, I'm going to use a word. I know it has been politicized in certain circles, but appeasement doesn't work. It has not worked in the Balkans. It has not worked in the Middle East. It will not work in America. It will not work against the cartels. You cannot appease these people. Mario, thank you for giving me so much and for everyone out there for giving everyone so much to think about because I tell you, while we're worried about COVID, our enemies are working against us. The drug cartels are working against us. Uh, China, Russia, 
state actors are working against us. And by the way, terrorists are still out there working against us. And I want to tell you something, Mario Duarte, I have talked to a number of people that know him, that have worked with him. He was the head of intelligence uh, for Guatemala. And they think he is one of the top guys, one of the most trustworthy people that we have worked with in Central America. And I can tell you that coming from U.S. officials in our country who have so much respect for you, Mario. Thank you so much for being with Thank me today. So Thank you for that, sir. I got to tell you, having Mario on the show today was incredible, and I'm, I'm going to be bringing him back as a special guest. I'm going to be bringing people that deal with the border as a special guest, the southern border, off and on all the time on this show. Why? Because this is one of the most important national security issues that we are not dealing with as a country. I have been covering this for decades, it feels like, and it feels like every time we turn our backs on this, it's going to get worse and worse. Not only are neighbors dying, thousands of people, tens of thousands of people being killed in Mexico, but our children are dying here in the United States from opioid addiction and overdose and fentanyl and heroin and cocaine and everything else that comes across that border, every bit of contraband. But I want you to think about what Mario said. This isn't just some guy that I plucked off the street that doesn't know anything. He was the head of intelligence for Guatemala. He worked closely with our CIA, with other foreign intelligence services. It's not just like they're dealing with their country. That was a route. Terrorists have been caught moving up and down through those corridors. People have been caught that are a danger to this country. Stuff that he can't even talk about publicly. Things that even our CIA can't talk about publicly. Things that I don't even know, but I suspect happened. So we're going to keep focusing in on that here at the Sarah Carter show. We're going to bring all kinds of great guests on. And you know what? We're going to somehow do it with our face masks. Uh, and we're going to get our kids to summer camps. And hopefully in the fall, we're going to start school again. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for a vaccine. But then again, I want I want more answers. I don't feel like the government's been forthright on a lot of this stuff, so I'm going to bring those folks on this show, too. Thank you again for being here with The Sarah Carter Show. I appreciate all of your time. Follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC. Follow me on Instagram at S Carter DC. And of course, come to the website. We have all the latest stories at SarahCarter.com. Thank you again. God bless for taking back the story. <laughs>